I'm Indiana University tourism professor Evan Jordan, and this is the Trip Doctor Podcast. In many Western societies, there's a lot of things that are sometimes thought of as strange when they're done by yourself. Going out to a restaurant, seeing a movie, taking a trip, all fit the bill. For women, there's sometimes a stigma around traveling alone in particular. There's a huge number of barriers to solo female travel, from societal norms to safety concerns to cultures that don't quite approve of women doing things alone. My guest today is Dr. Carrie Schwab. Carrie's a professor at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Carrie's recently conducted a series of studies about solo female travelers on social media networks. She's found that an ever-increasing number of women are making the choice to go it alone. A lot of women are delaying childbirth, they're ready to postpone careers for a little bit, they have more disposable income, um, maybe they have a sense of the world as a slightly safer place, or that they have more of a connected female network, and so they're deciding to just go because they want to. So, Carrie, you presented this summer at a big tourism conference called TGRA about solo female travel and how it's increasing in popularity. Um, but your research has kind of shown that research on solo female travel says there's a lot of constraints and can be really tiresome for women who want to travel by themselves. Um, and you sort of took a different approach of thinking about that. So can you tell us a little bit about like what's going on in the research world in terms of solo female travel right now? Yeah, sure. Great questions. Um, yeah, a lot of women are traveling by themselves. There are there is research out by both um, you know corporations and by um, travel agencies and by academics showing that female travel is increasing. I think women have a lot of women are delaying childbirth. They're ready to postpone careers for a little bit. They have more disposable income. Um, maybe they have a sense of the world as a slightly safer place or that they have more of a connected female network. And so they're deciding to just go because they want to. They're doing more travel. There's more um, independent female travelers and there's also more women traveling with groups. So a lot of tour companies are reporting um, that more single women are signing up for their group trips and things. So. Is that different than the past? Uh, in the past, has it been uncommon for women to travel on their own? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think it's definitely been a growing market. And in the past, most women traveled with their girlfriends um, or with families or for work. So it was very like you had a certain role in life and you traveled kind of according to what your role was at that time. And if you didn't have someone to tra travel with, well, then you probably didn't go. <laughs> so there's definitely been a change. Yeah. And so it's it sounds like traditionally there have been a lot of barriers to women traveling by themselves. Mm -hmm. What are some examples of things that stop women from traveling solo? Yeah. Um, gosh, it is hard to not speak like an academic and say, well, in the constraints literature, you can go like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, so there's, there's a couple different levels of barriers. Um, one of them, what used to be a barrier of other people and not, um, 
not danger of other people, but other people saying, don't go, it's not safe. So other people putting constraints on you and saying, we're worried about you. That's not safe. You're not going to have fun. You're going to be lonely. We won't be able to take care of you. What if something bad happens? You need to stay here for your kids or for your spouse. So other people kind of putting an ethic of care type of constraints on women and, and saying, don't go. Um, we're putting a lot of guilt on women and just saying, you know, are you sure you need to do that? Or it's not really a good time. Can't you wait till you have a friend? Um, so other people put a lot of constraints on us. So. And then other constraints come from the woman herself. So maybe she feels like she's not confident. She doesn't know the language. She can't do it. She's uncertain. She doesn't want to be alone. What if she gets lonely? Like just a lot of um, confidence issues in women. Um, and then there are also just structural or logistical constraints. Like maybe you can't get the time off, you don't have the money, um, or you actually don't know how to speak the language or how to even book travel on your own. So you just aren't really sure how to get going. So. Is there, because something that I don't normally think about when I travel, mm -hmm. and this is something that my wife talks to me about all the time, is I'm a six, seven white guy, and I don't really ever think about safety when I'm traveling. Right. But she is always constantly reminding me that that's something that she needs to think about when she travels. And is that something that is commonly discussed when people are talking about solo female travel? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's your lovely white male a tall privilege, I guess, that you get to travel without thinking about it. But I mean, women are, you know, are, have taught from an early age to be concerned walking to their car in the parking lot at night. Like my whole generation of women was taught to hold our keys in our hands as a weapon so we could ward off an attacker or whatever. Um, so there's kind of always a assumed sense of unsafety for a lot of women. Um, and so then in travel, that's just played out even at a heightened level because the consequences are, are probably greater. If you get hurt in a foreign country by yourself, you know, you can't just, you don't know how to call the police or maybe your phone doesn't work or you can't just recover your passport. I don't know. It's it's, it's a much lar larger, harder process. Um, so, yes, yeah, so there's a lot of discussion around um, personal safety and, and feelings about safety. And a lot of women were talking in the past decade or so about feeling much more empowered to travel on their own and that they don't have to worry as much about safety or that the world has become a little more safe or that um, even different cultures are becoming more accepting towards women um, or that women travelers are becoming a little bit more of a norm. But then I just read a paper earlier this year that was titled The Normality of Unsafety. And I went through a series of interviews with women and they talked about that feeling unsafe is a normal perspective that they have had and will always have, that we're never going to feel like a six, seven white man who can walk into any situation and not question our safety at all. It's something like when I travel, I'm constantly doing like a body scan of like, is my bag secure? Is my personal belongings secure? Am I not revealing too much skin? Is this room too dark? Is this room too light? Does that man look sketchy? Does this place seem safe? Am I going to trip on the sidewalk? Like I'm constantly assessing my safety and my kind of risk factors. So it's, it's always present. Yes. <laughs> so it sounds like this is something that, that, at least according to this paper you read, mm -hmm. might not change. It's just that people are getting used to it. Yeah, which is kind of sad, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, it might not change. I think fourth wave feminism is working to change it and um, kind of becoming more of a, of a call out culture, whether that's a, a good or a bad name is a different discussion, I guess. But women are using technology a lot more um, to discuss their issues of unsafety, to discuss places or spaces where they feel unsafe, to warn each other about unsafe spaces and to teach each other ways to keep themselves safe. Um, so there's a lot of online female travel groups. And this is actually what my study came from at TTRA um, was about women giving each other advice on how to be safe and where to be safe and what to do and how to protect yourself, what anything small to large precautions to at least um, discuss it and maybe slowly change spaces. But yeah, it's I don't know if it's ever going to change. It would take changing the external threats. And that's that's a big ask. That's a big thing to change. So 
is is are there certain destinations that are known to be uh more safe than others for solo female travelers so for instance in your uh facebook group that you're looking at do, do people provide recommendations to say this is a good place to go if you're a solo female traveler yeah, there's kind of a lot of debate on that, I guess, because sometimes it comes down to culture, and so then it becomes a cultural debate. Um, but some people say that countries that are um, where their dominant religion or kind of social or cultural background is not, um, how do I say it, not friendly to women or does not um, prioritize women might be a place that is not necessarily comfortable for solo female travelers. They might not be in danger, but there's going to be more comments made towards them, more catcalling, more strange looks, more rude behaviors towards women in those places. So it's not necessarily dangerous. It might just be more uncomfortable the whole time that you're there. So, And then cultures that are more similar to your own, so a lot of places in Europe, um, may be considered more comfortable for women. But then I always go back and say every major city in the world has potential for danger. Like I live three hours from L.A. and I don't go to L.A. because there are parts of L.A. that are dangerous. So there could be danger at home. There could be unsafe places abroad. It kind of also relates to where you put yourself and where you decide to go and how you decide to act in those spaces. So I put all the blame of the risk on the place. Also, the, the woman makes choices, too, and how she acts in certain spaces or how late she stays out or how alone she is. And, and that can also play a part in your um, level of safety and security. I, I feel like there there's also, you know, a certain group of people um, that might say, even though this place is considered unsafe by a lot of people, I'm going to go there anyways. Is there a certain subset of the solo female travel population that's like, you know what? I know that Saudi Arabia is not a great place for solo female uh, travelers, but I'm going to go there anyways, or Mm -hmm. whatever destination it may be. Is there that group of people out there, a group of women out there that do that? Yes. Yeah, there's definitely, I guess, in in the female groups that I've been in. And um, a lot of women will say that Morocco is not a comfortable or safe place, for example, not to call it Morocco. I've been there and it's beautiful. Um, and women will say, well, I want to go there anyways because I want to see it. I want to experience it. I want to see the culture and the, the scenery and the landscape and I want to learn. And I think they just make that decision that they're going to go and they may be uncomfortable or they may need to take extra precautions, but they want to go anyways and they want to learn and understand the culture rather than just write it off and say, forget about it. So. And do you think that has to do with intrinsic factors that these particular women have or do you think it has to do with their travel experience or maybe some combination of the two yeah probably a combination of both so maybe they they like adrenaline maybe they're that really independent traveler um and if they feel experienced enough to handle it then they they trust that they can do it the, I, the reason that i i bring that up is uh you have taken my traveler personality quiz which yes, i have asked I did. <laughs> all of my uh guests to do Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if if maybe the quiz that I have written is is something that could be predictive of whether some a, a woman would be uh, uh, somebody who'd be interested in solo female travel. So let's start by can you tell us uh, what was your traveler personality and do you okay. think it fit? Yeah, I was uh, an adapter, I think. I believe I was the adapter. Is that one of them? Yes, that's yes, the right. that's sort of the middle of the road middle, personality. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. So I do like to have you know a little bit of adventure, a little bit of spontaneity. Um, I like to go to places that are a little different and challenging. I'm okay if I don't speak the language. I like to figure things out. I like the puzzles. Um, but I also do like to like sit on a beach and just have a margarita and kind of forget where I am sometimes. Or I like to to blend in in certain places. So. Um, yeah, so I think it was very appropriate. So I was glad that your quiz fit my personality. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that's the biggest group of travelers tend to be uh-huh. adapters because uh, a lot of people are very comfortable going a little bit in the adventurous direction, a little bit in the 
not adventurous direction, really depending on who they're traveling with or how they're feeling at any given period of time. Right. So in the in the traveler personalities, it goes from very unadventurous people who are uh, want to basically just sit by a pool will often use a travel agent because they don't uh-huh. they don't want any uncertainty in their trip. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have people that are like, you know what, I'm going to buy a one way ticket to uh, Nepal and just right. see what happens. Just wing it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, it would be interesting so you, how people take that quiz over time, like after trips and see if they if their adaptability changes or if their independence, their perception of their. Yeah, it does. Yeah, OK, yeah, done. you've longitudinally studied yeah, it. Or... <laughs> yeah. Well, OK, I don't have statistics to back okay, it up, but... but I know people who have taken it uh, multiple times and have said okay. my traveler personality changed um, after I took this trip you know, somewhere else cool, or, right. or since I've had kids. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Another life events. Yeah. Plays a, a really big role in, yes. in how people travel. Yes. So you, you talk about the words that women use on their, this Facebook group mm-hmm, um, right. about solo female travel and how that um, talks about travel with or without constraints. Um, and so I, I'm wondering if you can just go in a little bit more in depth in okay that there are these support groups out there for women who are interested in traveling by themselves mm-hmm. and women talk about solo travel in different ways can you tell us some of your findings like what what are the what are the words that they use and what do those words mean sure okay yeah sure so the findings from this kind of came out in that there were two two camps or two um, ideologies i guess on how to negotiate your solo female travel and especially with relation to men i guess this um one of my topics was on looking at, um, what's it called, unwanted male attention, That's what, yeah, unwanted male attention. Um, and so one group uses, with, with their recommendations are always around, um, basically continue to let yourself um, be oppressed. So to lie to men, to wear a fake wedding ring, to tell a man you have an STD, to tell a man that your boyfriend is in the other room, um, to stay away from places where men were going to be, to just continue to kind of let the patriarchy rule, I guess is how I interpret it, Um, but to continue to be scared and to continue to hide or lie so that you could avoid unwanted male attention. And then the other group was was very much in a, again, a fourth wave feminism um, approach where it was a much more of a call out culture. And they would say you should scream, yell, hit the person, bite, throw things, fart in their face, be ugly and aggressive, scream at the man, tell him what he's doing to you, explain oppression, um, video the person harassing you and post it online. Like we cannot continue to let men oppress us. It has to be called out in a very harsh and dramatic way almost um, to let the world know that we're not going to be, women are not going to be, continue to be oppressed and that we're reclaiming our spaces of, of travel and tourism and um, that they should be safe spaces and we're going to enjoy them. So, but it was a, it was a very aggressive, angry bunch, I guess. So. Is there any evidence that either of those methods of dealing with unwanted male attention are more or less effective at stopping it? Um, gosh, I don't know if there's any research on that or data or anything. These were all just, I mean, other than the study that we did that, um, just said these are two approaches and that, yeah, I don't know if there's any okay. research on it actually working. Yeah, it's a good question. So what what else are people doing research on? Yours is focusing on constraints like unwanted male attention. What are other people doing in this realm of trying to understand solo female travel? Um, great question. Let me think. What have I already said? Oh, recently there's been a, a spate of research on Asian women's travel experiences. They were very ignored in the literature because a lot of the literature was done by Australians, Americans, and Europeans. Um, and Asian women coming from a, a different culture, more of a, I think, I guess, a 
top-down, what's the word, patriarchal culture. Um, so there have been recent studies on Asian women traveling alone and the kind of the fear and the insecurity that they feel and how hard it is to get kind of permission from your families to go travel on your own. Um, so that's something new. Let me think. That's actually really interesting because I feel like sometimes when I do a podcast on a certain topic uh, mm-hmm. or a certain, let's say, a certain group of people. So I've done a podcast on uh, traveling while black. Um, mm-hmm. I have a podcast about LGBTQ plus travel. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the issues with doing something like those or with women is that when we say solo female travel, mm-hmm. there's this assumption that all females are the same. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's like, and that's, that's not like, true at what all. are the, what are the, what's <laughs> going on with women traveling by themselves? Well, there's a lot of different types of women. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I guess it's something else that fourth wave feminism is about intersectionality. So what are all the intersections of women um, and how do we all, we have a lot of different identities within us. So how does, you know, what does solo female traveler who's black look like? So what does an LGBTQ solo female traveler look like? What's that experience? Yeah. So I think the research should pick up in the next few years on that, um, but it's not quite there yet that I see it's not published yet on specific groups, I guess. And so what what do you think the the end result of learning more about this type of travel is is it about increasing awareness of this type of travel it is a is it about helping women understand themselves better what's the end goal for this line of inquiry um yes i think both yeah it's kind of getting the message out that solo female travel so for a range of people that solo female travel is possible if you didn't think it was that it is something you can do and a lot of people are doing it and then to the other end of the spectrum it's about changing a culture that doesn't um, let women feel safe when they travel alone. So it'd be everything from micro to macro level change, I think. Yeah. And empowering women to, to do what they want and to be part of, be part of their change. Are there things that, that non solo female travelers can do? Like let's say me as a, Mm -hmm. as a traveler, uh, whether I'm traveling by myself or with my family, uh, are there things that other people can do to make, experiences better for solo female travel travelers and like should we even be paying attention for that thing like i think it's kind of a weird concept to let's say i'm out and about somewhere like looking for single females (laughs) and be like are are, are they traveling what are they doing should i be an ally for them right now i I feel like i'd probably just come off as really creepy right right yeah yes you might (laughs) Um, yeah, I think if people, I mean, just a general human kindness, if someone looks lost, you can help them out or ask them if they need directions or whatever, like just having people feel safe and secure and kind of the, the kindness of strangers is still something people rely on a lot. So, um, being a, being a friend to someone who's traveling solo would be great. If it's someone, you know, personally, and they're considering taking a trip, I think just, it's important to make sure you don't make them feel guilty about it or question them or make them feel, um, abnormal. Like just because you want to go somewhere, even someone who's married or has a boyfriend or significant other, it's it's okay to want to go somewhere by yourself. So being supportive of people who do want to travel alone, I think is a great thing, but I'm biased. So <laughs> at what level do you think that this is a societal issue? Because you've talked about there are certain places that are more friendly than others to solo female travelers like how much can we expect those places and cultures and societies to change, you know, even within our lifetimes? Okay. I get that there's, there's revolutions that happen occasionally, Mm -hmm. but 
most places tend to be pretty similar over time. So how do how do you see that changing in the future? Do you see that changing in the future? Um, yeah, I think with the, looking at like with the history of women's movements over the past hundred years, women's rights have changed considerably in the past. And, you know, it took a hundred years from now since we got the vote, but um, with women banding together and men banding, you know, working with them as allies um, or working in, towards feminism as equality of all sexes, I think there can be generational changes. Yeah, it might take 50 years for there to be subtle shifts, but um, it's still something to work towards, even if I don't see the end result in my lifetime. Yes. I feel like teaching at a smaller university, if I can just empower a few women to to feel confident in their travels, then I've done something good for the world. And then maybe they'll go on and encourage a few more women. And that um, ripple effect can eventually, over 50 years, change people's attitudes or approaches or the conversations they're having with men or with others. So that does become a safer place over time. So It's certainly it's certainly something worth pushing for. Um, yes. And I and I hope that there's that sort of change um, that comes faster rather than, um, you know, taking a very long time. So one of the things, as I was thinking about talking to you about solo female travel, is there have been in the news, um, nothing really recently, but over the past couple of years, some pretty, some pretty major news articles about women who were traveling by themselves and had uh, very bad experiences in mm -hmm. certain places, um, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, being attacked um, in various ways, uh, unwanted sexual advances, those sorts of things. There have been some pretty high profile cases of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What what role do you think that sort of event and news coverage plays in um, what we've been talking about today? Yeah, I think it um, I mean, it's definitely makes people stop and think, but I often think that it um, puts more fear into parents or partners or friends of the solo traveler and not as much the woman herself. I don't have any evidence to back that up, but um, in my kind of readings and in different anecdotes and stories, it's more often other people who have fear of uncontrollable outside events than the woman herself, because the woman knows she's going to make certain choices and hopefully have um, done her research and done some background preparation and is making educated choices as she goes through her travels. So she has built up a level of confidence in her knowledge and her abilities um, and is hopefully going to choose to not put herself in really risky situations. And it's other people who are more impacted by by news reports and by scary the scary one story the boogeyman syndrome kind of you hear one bad story and that makes everyone think that solo female travel is is too dangerous to do or something so i also feel like risk has two parts it's kind of it's what the outside world is doing but it also has it's what you put yourself into so maybe it's not a good idea to go backpacking alone in mountains in an unfriendly country maybe that's something you should consider very carefully or reconsider um before doing certain things and i don't think that's a limitation i think that's just a realistic concern so do you think there's a certain population of of people that would say you're wrong about that like we should be able to go wherever we want to go um yes but then if you go into a different culture you have to be open to accepting and understanding that culture mm -hmm. so if, if men in a certain area are going to always yell at cat call at women then that's what you need to know walking into that country you're a guest in that country so who um you know, who adapts? Does the traveler adapt to the country they're in or should the host adapt to the foreign traveler? And maybe it's a little, it should be a little bit of both, but I wouldn't always expect that. I would think you've gone there to learn about them and learn about that culture. So it's, you need to understand what you're walking into. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's something that I think, especially Americans, male and female, 
have been known for in the past is going someplace and expecting everybody to act like they're still in the U.S. You know, why why doesn't everybody right. speak, why doesn't everyone speak English? Why doesn't everybody uh, you know, act the way that I do. Why doesn't everybody have the same level of service that we have or whatever it may be? And so I'm glad that you brought that up in relation to this, because I guess there there are certain realities that we face every day when we're traveling, both male and female. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important part of what people do when they're traveling is try and understand what it's like there. Uh, try and I don't want to say blend in, but try and at least learn about it and be aware of it. So I really, I, I think your advice right. is is really good in that realm. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard stories of women like just flying to Thailand or, or India without any preparation. And then they're very surprised when they're suddenly told to cover their heads before they walk into a certain place so that they can't be menstruating when they go into a certain temple. Like if you do a little bit of research to understand the place you're going, um, it'll make your experience better and you'll have learned something, which is always important. <laughs> Yeah, ultimately, for me, that's what travel is all about, is learning more about people and places and, and all sorts of different things. Um, we we talked a little bit about personality and whether that plays a role in who might be a solo female traveler or not. Do you mm-hmm. think there are other things, like in, in your research of these women in, in Facebook groups, do you have any information on, like, are they affluent or not affluent? Mm-hmm. Are they a certain race? Are they a certain age? Mm-hmm. Like, are there characteristics that predict whether somebody is going, a woman is going to be interested in solo travel? Right. Good question. Um, I think a lot of the women in the Facebook group are in their 20s or 30s just because they're just on social media and that's what people use. Um, but if I, as I read it more and more, and I, I didn't do any demographic like research because I didn't ask people for their age and race and whatnot. Um, But you can kind of get a sense that there are all ages and all ranges of income and all ranges of education. It's, it's often people who are just looking for a life change or they're in a life transition. So whether that's changing jobs or ending a relationship or just finishing college or getting a divorce or um, recently married and you want some free time back to yourself. It's, it's a lot of people in some kind of interesting life shift and they've then decided that they're going to do something adventurous or do something just for the themselves or do something they can be proud of. So I think it's people who are looking for um, adventure and empowerment are maybe two defining characteristics, I guess, if I had to label them. But yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I feel like that's a really cool concept to for anybody going through any sort of life change. And I feel like travel for a lot of people fills that role. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, people take honeymoons when they get married, right? They go on a trip, their, their first trip together. Um, and you're kind of talking about the opposite of that, where maybe somebody travels by themselves when they become unmarried. Yeah. Um, so it's just a a really interesting concept. Yeah. So you've talked a lot about these, this Facebook group that you looked at in your research. Mm -hmm. Is that, I'm wondering about resources. Let's say there are women or anybody really Mm -hmm. interested in traveling by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, women in particular, are there other resources out there that they can utilize to potentially do what you've been talking about, learning about different places, getting information about places that might be more safe or less safe? Mm-hmm. Um, is is like a Facebook group the only place to go for that, or what, no, there's what type of resources bl- yeah. are out there? Bloggers, shocker! I know that's 
surprising, but yeah, there are tons of solo <laughs> female travel blogs. Yeah. So, um, there's a couple of really good ones that one called be my travel muse. And she's traveled alone for several years. She quit her job in investment banking or something. Um, and she has just a really thorough amount of resources that are everything from packing lists to what you should, what apps you need on your phone to how to explain to others why you're traveling to, um, countries that are more affordable or less affordable or more safe or less safe. Um, what else have I read on there? How to take care of yourself when you're sad and lonely after a few days of solo travel. Like, so there's a ton of information on her website. Um, and then I love the Facebook group though, because it's, it's dynamic and you can ask anybody a question or post any concern you're having. And like people will get 200 comments from women offering suggestions or support or ideas, um, for how to, whatever they're related to their question. So it's a wonderful supportive resource and informative resource for women. Um, so they have an Instagram page as well, but it's less, there's less dialogue on Instagram, I guess. So Facebook is more, um, immediate feedback, support information, whatnot. And what's the name of the Facebook group so people can join it if they're um, interested? Sure. Yeah, it's called the Solo Female Travel or Travel Network. And I think it's a private group, so you have to answer a few questions and then join. Do you think I I know the the focus today is solo female travel, but is there any part of that community where it's like, hey, I'm gonna be taking a trip on my own, but I would also like to meet up with somebody while I'm traveling? You know, do you do you find that people are like exclusively interested in traveling by themselves or are they open to having some time on their own but also meeting up with other solo female travelers while they're abroad right yeah so that's a good question so it's kind of interesting when i first heard the word solo female travel i assumed that the definition of that was to one who travels alone the entire time and like does everything by herself the entire time and then the more i read in this group and the more i thought about definitions of things um I think it just means that you've, you're going to meet people like you should, like humans are social animals. It would be kind of strange to spend two weeks in your own bubble, not talking to anyone. Um, so yes, being solo actually opens up more opportunities to meet people because you don't have to wait for someone else to want to go out and meet people with you. You don't have to negotiate with your partner. If you want to sit at this bar with this person or not, you can just initiate conversations with anyone and make tons of friends while you're traveling. So on this group, a lot of women will post like, Hey, I'm in Budapest tonight. Anyone want to get together for a drink? And they'll totally meet up and discuss well whatever they want but it's yeah it's definitely a, a network for finding other people to make your solo travel social travel as well that's a that's a really cool way of connecting with people and i know personally for myself i've made some really good friends when i've been traveling on my own and in like a hostel or something let's say mm -hmm. and just by nature like you said people are social and so you just strike up conversations with people who might be in the same scenario. So it's cool that there's that resource, particularly yeah. for women who are traveling um, solo to then be a little bit less solo uh, yes. as they're out there. Yeah, and it feels safer too. Like it always feels a little weird for me to walk up to a, a guy at a bar and strike up a conversation. There's, I still can't get that out of my head that that's not what a female should do or something. I'm still have some gender norms stuck in me. Um, but it, it does feel safer to connect with women in a group where you know you have similar interests and similar backgrounds, maybe, and um, just a, it's a safer way to hook up with people. Well, is there anything else that you had on your mind? No, I mean it can be challenging. It's hard, but it's wonderful. So I just recommend. Everybody try it. Even if you just try it in your own like state for a weekend getaway, just see how it feels and and then grow from there. So no, yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be like going to Mount Everest. Yeah, no, be... you don't have to sell all your furniture and go to India for a month or whatever. It can be just a weekend alone. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Carrie, yeah. I want to thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This has been a wonderful discussion. Great. Thank you so much. It's been fun to talk to you. 
If you like the music on today's episode, you can check it out on the free music archive. The song is called Joker by Six Umbrellas. Six Umbrellas.